Let's, uh, let's pause and pray as we get ready to look into God's Word together. Father, it's, it's always, it's just a significant thing whenever we, we pause to open up your Word and ask you to speak to us. Uh, for Father, we need to hear from you. Uh, we need to know you. We need to know your will, to know what is good and what isn't. And so... Uh, I pray that you would do what you alone can do, and that is by your Spirit, uh, make your word come alive to us in our hearts, in our minds, and give us that desire to hear you and obey you uh, for our good and for your glory. Uh, We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have a Bible and want to follow along in it, I invite you to open it up to the book of Ephesians. And if you didn't bring a Bible and you want to use one, there's one in the rack in front of you. If you don't have a Bible of your own, love for you to uh, take that and make it your own. Put your name in it, take it home, and read it. I want everybody to have a Bible. So we're going to be in Ephesians A few weeks ago, as we were working our way through the book of Colossians in our series, Walk with Christ, we came to a very important section, and we skipped right over it. And I said at the time, the reason I was skipping it was because it is so significant that I wanted to devote more time than, than just one message in a series through Colossians. I wanted to really explore that topic much more fully. And so I said we'd be coming back to it later. Well, this is later. So um, we, the plan is to devote six messages uh, to this important teaching on the family addressed to wives and husbands and parents and children I hope that sounds really important to you. It's very clear as you read through the Bible that our families really matter to God. It really matters to Him how family members interact. It really matters to Him how our families engage with others how families conduct themselves. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, God wants you to do what you can do to help make our families strong and happy. Because families are powerful things. You probably know this. Uh, Families that are strong, families that are happy, have a tremendous power to do good in the lives of people. And conversely, families that are broken, families that are uh, hurting, families that are unhappy, have a tremendous power to hurt people. Some of you know that from personal experience. So it is really important that we know, that we understand what God, God who designed families, that we know what he says 
to husbands, to wives, to children, to parents. Now, I'm well aware that some of you today are not currently, uh, you're not currently a husband, you're not currently a wife, or you don't currently have young children at home, or you're not a child living with your parents at home. And so you might be sitting there wondering why you should bother paying attention to any of this. Well, let me tell you why you should bother. Uh, Besides the fact that some of you will end up becoming husbands and wives uh, and having children in your home, and then you are really going to need to know this, uh, there's another another reason, I think, that's just as significant. Um, When I say our families, I said just a minute ago that if you're a follower of Jesus, God wants you to do what you can do to help our families be healthy and happy and strong. And when I say our families, I'm not just talking about the family that each of us individually happens to be a part of. I'm talking about all of our families as part of our church family, even all of the families in our community. See, you may not be a husband, but you definitely know a husband. You probably know several. You may not be a wife, but you know wives. Uh, You may not be a parent with children at home, but you know people who are. And you know something? They need you. They need you to know and understand what God's good design for the family is. Not so you can lecture them. Not so you can chew them out when they do it wrong but so that you can be a gracious influence for good. So you can pray for them, and you can know how to pray for them, and you can know how to have a good influence uh, for their family. See, if we're going to care about people, if we are really going to care about people, and Jesus commands us to care about people, then we have to care about families. Because families have such great potential for joy and for sorrow, for misery. We need to know how to build happy homes, how not to wreck them. So it's kind of an interesting title for a series, Home Wreckers. Uh, That's not the goal, that you become a home wrecker, the goal is that you learn how not to be a home wrecker, how to do exactly the opposite. So, here we go. We're going to spend the majority of this series looking at a very significant portion of God's Word on the family in the book of Ephesians, uh, the end of chapter 5, the first part of Ephesians chapter 6. <laughs> but before we get there, I want you to think about something. I want you to consider something very important. And what I want you to consider, what I want you to think about is how you're going to listen to God's instructions in the family. How are you going to listen? Because the teaching we are going to be looking at, well, it's often misunderstood. It's not particularly easy. And... Our culture, the culture that we're living in, will not agree with this teaching at several points. But here's what's even more significant. Depending on your background, depending on your experience, depending on 
you know, how you've gotten to the place where you are today, you might not agree with some of this teaching. And you're going to need to decide what you're going to do with that. Obviously, we need to make sure that we are hearing God's instructions correctly, okay? Because people have often twisted God's word on the family to mean things that it doesn't mean, and we'll be talking about some of that as we go through it. But you know what? Even when we know what these instructions really mean, we still might not like it. And then what are we going to do? What are we going to do with that? So, today I want to talk about how to hear, how to listen to God's instructions on the family um, before we actually get to those instructions. Because see, how you hear these will make a big difference in what you do with them. It really will make a big difference. If, for example, you hear these instructions, if you hear God's directions on the family as bad news, you know, as as restrictive or oppressive as or as impossible i can't do that or as joy killing well you know what you're going to do when you hear them nothing you're not going to do anything with them you're basically going to ignore them and that would be a great loss to you and to your family But if, on the other hand, you hear these instructions as good news, as life-giving, as joy-deepening, as strength-producing, as freedom-enhancing, as grace-giving good news, well, then you're going to want to understand them, and you're going to want to live them out. You're going to want to follow these instructions, even if they're hard. So which is it? Is it good news or is it bad news? Well, I've probably given myself away, right? It's, it's good. But I, don't just take my word for it. I don't, want, I don't want you to just hear that. I want to show you. I want to show you how to hear God's instructions for the family. So I'm going to give you a don't, and then I'm going to give you a do. It's pretty simple. And there's a note sheet in your folder if you want to take that out and use it and jot a couple of notes here. How to hear God's instructions in the family. Here's the don't. Don't hear them as what you should do because of the rules. Don't hear them just as what you should do because that's what the rules are. Don't hear them that way. Let me give you a question to chew on just here for a second to get you kind of thinking about this. Now, don't answer out loud, because that's always dangerous. If someone were to ask you this question, how would you answer it? If someone were to ask you, what, what is the, the main difference between a non-Christian home and a Christian home? What's, what's the difference? What's the difference between a Christian home and a non-Christian home? What's the main thing that makes them different? Okay, do you know how you'd answer that? See, I think many people would answer that question by saying the main difference between those two homes is the rules that they live by or the moral code that they follow. So, 
Christian homes live by Christian rules, the ones we're going to be looking at in this series. And non-Christian homes don't. They live by a different set of rules. So the key difference, then, is a difference of morality. Which moral code does your family follow? And I'm afraid there are actually many church-going people who think this, who think that that's the difference, that's the key issue, that being a Christian family is mainly about following the Christian rules. Okay? Is everybody listening? Everybody paying attention? That's not it. That's not true. The key difference is not the moral code that your family follows. Yes, it is true that Christian families will live by different rules than non-Christian families, but that is not what makes a family Christian or non-Christian. You know what makes a family Christian? Christ. Christ, the person. Jesus Christ, knowing the person of Christ, it is his presence as a person. It is his leadership. It is His grace, it is His love in your home that makes your home a Christian home. Now, a Christian home is going to follow Christian rules. Absolutely, but that's not what makes a Christian home a Christian home. Okay? So parents, if if you're hearing this and you're excited to learn a bunch of rules, new rules that you can take home and enforce, uh, a moral code that you need to uphold... If you think that's what's going to make your family a Christian family, we're going to, we're going to, man, we're going to go home and we're going to just, we're going to enforce this moral code. Here's what's going to happen. You will probably raise children that are moral, at least on the outside. But raising children who are moral is a very different thing from raising children who are Christians. It's, those are two different things. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying we don't want to raise kids that are moral. Okay? Christian families should be moral. Christians should be the most moral people on the planet. But that is not the key issue. Raising moral kids and raising Christians is two different things. That is because being a Christian is not about how moral you are. It's probably one of the biggest confusions in the world today. The difference between morality and Christianity. They are not the same thing. It's not about how moral you are. It's about trusting the person of Jesus Christ. Okay? In fact, becoming a Christian starts with admitting you're not moral enough. And that you can't be moral enough by your own efforts. You, You can't You can't achieve that moral code that God wants us all to follow. You can't do it. You don't become a Christian by becoming moral. You become a Christian by knowing Christ, by by putting your trust in Him, by receiving Him and His grace into your life and beginning a relationship, pursuing a relationship with Him which will lead to all kinds of moral, morally significant things. But it's not the moral code that makes you a Christian. It's Jesus that does. 
Okay, I'm a husband. I've been married now for 32 years. Best 32 years of my life. Yeah, that's right. Okay. <laughs> How did I become a husband? I did not go to the bookstore and buy a book of rules on husbandship and start obeying them. Oh, okay. Here. The book of rules for a husband. There are such things, by the way. Uh, they're usually unwritten, but there are rules. <laughs> but I didn't become a husband by keeping those rules. How did I become a husband? By having a relationship with an actual person, an actual woman, and committing my life to her in marriage. That's how I became a husband. Now, it's really good if I follow the rules for being a husband. That's important. But that's not what made me a husband. Okay? Marrying Karen made me a husband. It's the relationship that does it. So, you think about these rules for Christian homes. I mean, it, it, calling them that, calling them rules, is not the best way to think about it. Okay? Because what do rules make you think? Well, I have to do that. I have to do this. I should do this. I ought to do that. Now, if you ask the question, should we obey Jesus? Of course. He's Lord. Of course we should obey him. But let me ask you this, if you're a husband today. Husband, should you kiss your wife? Yes. But if the only reason you're doing it is because you should, you know, oh, look, in the book of rules for a husband, rule number three, kiss your wife. Okay, I guess I got to do it. <laughs> if that's the only reason you're kissing your wife, you're missing something huge, something essential. All right? So I want to show you how, as we, as we get started in this series, and we'll be talking about these different these, these principles, these guidelines, these instructions, these directions, these rules, I want you to see how this book of Ephesians describes trusting Christ, being a Christian, and following his directions. I want you to see how this describes us as so much more than simply following the rules. Okay? So much more than what we should than what we should just do. Now, we're going to look at some of the verses that come before the instructions for the family. Let me, I'm just going to summarize to you, uh, to begin with, what the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians are talking about. In the first three chapters of Ephesians, it tells us all that God has done in the person of Jesus Christ to make it possible for us to know him, to be right with him, to have relationship with him, to live for him. So it tells us how Jesus came to rescue us from our desperate situation, our spiritual death, separated from God because of disobedience, and uh, how Jesus makes us right with God as a free gift that we don't achieve, we don't earn, but we simply receive as a free gift of God's grace when we put our trust in Him, when we come to that place of saying yes to Jesus 
and receiving him into our lives. How God at that point just transforms our identity and unites us with Christ and gives us eternal life. And it, and it tells us in Ephesians 1 through 3 of all these wonderful things that become true of us, this transformed identity. And then chapter 3 ends with a prayer. Paul the Apostle prays for us. Look at Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 through 19. Look at what he prays for. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. See how it's, uh, it's, it's an inner life. This is not simply outward conformity to something in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints. Okay, so that's, that's talking about other believers in Jesus. This is a community experience. This is a, a thing we do together, that we may have power to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled, you guys, you, you community, may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. See, that's, so because of all that Christ has done for us, Paul wants us as a community to experience him dwelling in our hearts and to know his love and to be filled with his fullness. Then he goes on and he tells us how to pursue that. So chapter 5, verse 1. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. See the the identity issue there? Now as children of God, be imitators of your Father. Um, Live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Verse 8. For you were once darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. There it is, that transformed identity again. So live as children of light. You're light in the Lord. Verse 10, find out what pleases the Lord. And then we come to the verses that come right before the instructions to the family. Verse 15, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Hey, don't be controlled by alcohol. Be controlled by God's Spirit. Addressing, to one, an, uh, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing, making melody to the Lord with all your heart giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Can you see it? Can you see how this isn't just about keeping a list of rules? The book would have been so short if that's all it was. You know, chapter one, here's the rules. End of book. No. No, it goes to such great lengths to show us the incredible grace of God in the person of Christ and what happens when we put our trust in Him and our transformed identity and it changes everything. It's not about just keeping a list of rules. This is about living a life of love. 
There's no list of rules that you can just blindly follow that will make you a loving person. Living a life of love. This is about living out our identity as children of God. This is about living wisely. This is about understanding the will of the Lord. Look at that. God wants you to understand the will of the Lord. He doesn't want you to just blindly follow a list of rules. He wants you to understand the will of the Lord. It's about being filled with His Spirit. This is about worshiping. This is about thanksgiving. This is about helping our brothers and sisters in Christ because we want to honor Jesus with our lives. So this is about how to live out a relationship with Jesus. This is not living by a checklist. So, do not hear these instructions on the family as merely what you should do, because that's the rule. Instead, here's the do, do hear them as what you want to do, because you want to experience more and more of Jesus Christ and his goodness in your life. Hear them as what you want to do because of Christ. So when we, when we actually get to the instructions on the family that start in verse 22, the thing to notice is how every single one of these instructions connects to Christ. Okay, notice that. Don't, don't just, you know, bleep over those words just because you might be familiar with them. You know, there's no, there aren't any throwaway words here. There aren't any words that don't matter. Notice how every single one of these instructions connects to Jesus somehow. So verse 22, wives, take a deep breath. Submit to your husbands as to the Lord, as to Jesus. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Husbands, verse 25, Love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Verse 28, in the same way. In what way? Well, just as Christ gave himself for the church, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. Chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. That's Jesus for this is right, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you might enjoy long life on the earth. That's one of those Why does he tell us that? He could have just stopped it because it's right. He doesn't. This is a promise that it may go well with you, and you may enjoy long life on the earth. Verse 4, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, Bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord, Jesus. See it? Wives aren't to submit to their husbands because, you know, husbands are such brilliant leaders. But because of Jesus. Husbands are to love their wives, not because wives are always so lovable, but because of Jesus. Children... 
They're not to obey their parents just because it's the right thing to do, but because God has given us a promise that's true in Jesus. They're to obey their parents in the Lord. Parents aren't supposed to raise children who are merely moral, but to raise children who know Jesus Christ. See, this is about a family life, a home that is Christ-centered, Christ-saturated, Christ-flavored, Christ-directed. You know, one of the issues that always comes up is, you know, we get into these uh, commands to husbands and wives, and it's kind of like, well, well, who, well, who's in charge here? Who's really in charge? Who, you know, this, this makes me upset because it's like it puts the husband in control. No! The whole point of this is so Jesus is in control. So that Jesus' presence is experienced. So Jesus' presence is enjoyed. A Christ-saturated, Christ-flavored, Christ-directed home. That's the point. The goal is not a, simply a moral home. Yeah, we ought to have moral homes. We ought to have homes where everybody does the right thing. But that's not the goal. The goal is a home where people experience Jesus. Where he is loved. Where his grace is enjoyed and shared. Where his kindness overflows. Where his joy is evident. Where his sacrificial love is cherished and imitated where his holiness is respected and honored, where his will is pursued. There's just been too many examples of homes that bear the label Christian when all it really means is we're trying our best to be moral. And the love and the grace and the mercy and the kindness and the goodness of Jesus is not really there. So, how do we experience his instructions this way? As what we really want to do, because we want to experience Jesus in our homes. Well, here's what it really comes down to. That's where the title for today's message comes from. Who knows what's best? Who really knows what's best? for your family, for my family. Do we know what's best? As you kind of consider the human race, do we just kind of all naturally know what's best for marriage and family? Is that the impression you get as you look around? Does our culture know what's best? You know, when you read the headlines about the celebrity marriages, do you get the impression, yeah, we've got that nailed. We know all about what's best for marriage and family as a culture. So, if we are reading through what God says about family, and that doesn't agree with what maybe comes naturally to us or what the culture says, those disagree, who are we going to go with? Who are we going to trust? Who really knows what's best? See, so as we go through this, as we encounter things, you know, it's possible you'll encounter something you won't like. What are you going to do with that? That's what you have to decide. Are we going to trust Jesus enough? Are we going to trust him enough to follow his directions, 
and ask him for his grace to enable us to do what he says is best. So that's, that's my challenge to you today. That's the challenge I'll leave you with. To, me, to meditate on, to chew on, to think about. I challenge you, I encourage you, I plead with you. Do not hear these directions simply as a bunch of hard rules that you got to do. Instead, hear them as the way for you to experience more and more of Jesus and his goodness in your home. Let's pray about that. I just invite you to bow with me. Father in heaven, I confess that I'm inclined to think I know best. Sometimes without even realizing that's what I'm doing. I'm just so (laughs) wired, it seems, to just instinctively think I know best. And Lord, that is just so not true. And it's really not true for any of us apart from your grace and your mercy in our life. Father, I'm just, I want to ask for each one of us that you will help us to uh, listen to your word, to your instruction as that which gives life, that which gives hope, that which gives purpose and help for us. Lord, will you just help us? We want our families to be happy. We want our families to be healthy. We want to help others around us to experience the very best. And so we pray that you would help us, equip us to do that which is pleasing in your sight and which is good for us. Help us hear you, Lord, the way you want us to hear you. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.